Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Salutations, everybody. It is Maddie here today with episode 167 of the Ham Radio Podcast. And it's me, Carrick, with ACG. No guests this week, but that's A-OK. So, let's get right into the introduction. Number one, flick a buck. Carrick? Flick a buck. There we go. I had, to, I had it this time. All right, sweet. You know, I got to catch you in the right mood, I guess. Yeah, anyway. It, it's, I got to react, like I said. <laughs> yeah, I gotta, you got to react. Can't be, can't be told. You have to set me up. I understand. I understand. So, you flick a buck at patreon.com slash Place, or you can go to Carrick's Patreon. But uh, for mine, you can be a part of the show, like Robert and Mika were last week. They were guests. And on top of that, we use your questions from the Discord for the new segments. I post them a couple of hours in advance. You guys fire away in the Discord with anything you want to ask us. And uh, we put you as a, a part of the show. Shout out your name and all that stuff. And we develop a personal relationship. Also, uh, things happening lately. I have started live streaming again this past week. And it has been fucking phenomenal. It's been my favorite part of content creation that I can really think of recently. Um, I always love making my YouTube videos. I love my my uh, premeditated content, I guess. I've never been more of a live person. But as I've started to just say, like, I'm going to play whatever the fuck I want and hope people show up. And people have been showing up, and it's been a lot of fun. I got to say, man, I have love live streaming. And Twitch has changed so much in the past year. Like, I haven't streamed for over a year, actually. And there was so much, like, auto-hosting, raiding, bits, like, all this stuff I had no idea about. And I go in there, and I'm looking at it thinking, holy crap, this is actually very creator-friendly. And, Carrick, I know you've started streaming as well, correct? Yeah, because I had had that. Um, I had done those YouTube sort of like you where I had streamed on Twitch a little bit mm-hmm. and then just sort of got out of it. I can't remember why I did. but um, Oh, and wearing the sunglasses so people don't think I'm trying to be fucking cool, but my eyes are killing me. So, um, cool either I, way, uh, Yeah, well, I'm cool either way. I... <laughs> I did, and then just recently, well, maybe about uh, two months ago, started doing the international, and we had 200 people watching today, which for a podcast, awesome uh, for for me too, because I'm not big on Twitch. Um, mm-hmm. Was was yeah, it was awesome. And then doing the same exact thing you are, like I'm not streaming. I, sometimes I stream technical stuff, but a lot of times we did Hunt Showdown, where we just it's just whatever. That's sort of everything I do now is just whatever I want to do. I'm I'm not going to chase the newest game. I may sometimes, but yeah, it just all depends on what I sort of feel like. Not, that I totally feel you on that because I was like, what did I do? My first stream was Quake Champions. Yeah, it was Quake Champions. Second one was Octopath Traveler. Third one was Fallout. You know, and, yeah. and fourth one was Spoke Fallout to Frost. Yeah, Fallout. Oh fuck God! Can you Had do my... me a favor and explain to me what that is? Because I don't know what it is. You guys all were like Fallout Frost. I thought it was a fucking expansion. <laughs> no. Uh, so there was a mod for New Vegas called Fallout Dust that I had played back when before Fallout Four came out. It was around August, I think. 
And I remember that it was extremely grueling difficulty. Like, mm-hmm. you're one-shot by everyone. You just get your ass beat all over the place. And I started to get pissed off when I was playing Dustin. So that's one of my most famous playthroughs on my channel. And that's why, if you remember when I posted it, I said, let's see if we need a Dorito break. Yeah, I couldn't yeah. figure out what that was. There, there was one point where I like I had Doritos sitting in my closet, and I just fucking died for like probably the eighth time in a row. And in this one little segment where I was going up this flight of stairs, and I just kept getting hit by a guy with a fireman's axe. And so I just come out into my closet, grab my Doritos, put my foot up, and I just sit there on stream and eat for like a good five minutes saying absolutely fucking nothing. And just, that's why people are like, you got to get mad enough for a Dorito break. But anyways, Frost is kind of the continuation of that type of mod. It's really hard. It adds a lot more survival elements to Fallout 4. It was prior to the announcement and release of the, uh, the survival mode that Bethesda game studios had made. But on top of that, they have this, this section that's connects all of the, uh, Metro stations in Fallout 4 together. And like I said, it's still that same, tough difficulty so you're dying insanely fast hardly getting any ammo like resident evil's survival horror on steroids type of like little amounts of ammo uh it's a it's a blast honestly it's a great thing to stream because it's it's fun it's hard but uh i always enjoyed figuring out how to get through those mods with the chat only thing I haven't noticed is in Dust, you're trying to escape. So if you have like 75 repair, you can repair this crashed plane and fly out of the area and you've you've beaten Dust. Or while, while in Frost, it's, it's less of that and more of um, you're just trying to survive. From what I know, no one in the chat when I had asked had known if this is something you escape or you just play. So that's the only difference. Hmm. But it's solid. Um, as for upcoming content for me... Really, I'm uh, this week. I'm looking to switch it up a little bit. Um, I looked at my channel. I, I like the Bethesda numbers. I like seeing people engage in that content. But I also saw content I thought could have done better and realized, you know what? Uh, I got to sprinkle in some variety. I'm looking to change it up a little bit. I have some really good ideas that I've been kind of putting on the back burner, thinking the the Bethesda content will really kind of take lift off. But uh, it has not has yet to do that. So I was like, you know what? It's time to really spice it up. So. That's for me. I'm also attending, uh, I can't give any details, but two pretty big events in the next two months. Um, so that's what's going on with me. Carrick, what about you, man? Um, I'm doing a review for Strange Brigade, and I'm doing a review for... I might I might check out Switch, Victor Ran. It depends on when its embargo is. I just mm. got an email about that. Because um, I was a Victor Ran fan on the console and cool. the PC. So that might be fun. And then um, doing a review for Monster Hunter for the Switch. Mm. Most likely... And then also, well, that's it. That's what I can talk about. Yep. Awesome. Awesome. So lots of content from both of our ends coming soon. And last but certainly not least, apologies for the long intro, but we have mobile links down below. I apologize. I had forgot last week to put the episode on mobile. Sometimes I do forget. Sometimes I do put it up and then it falls into iTunes and Google's lap and they do nothing with the episode until days later. So uh, this time it was on me, but I will be sure to get that up along with this episode at the same exact time, so you guys should have both of them popping onto your phones very soon. Or by the time you're listening to this, you will have both of them. Anyway, let's get right into it. Start, well, not right into it. We took us almost seven minutes to get to this point. Uh, but anyway, the biggest rumor of this week is what could be a very big game changer for the games industry. We have the Xbox One All Access rumor. So, the following information comes from Jez Corden of Windows Central. They say, 
We've heard Microsoft is soon planning to debut a new contract-based monthly subscription service dubbed Xbox All Access, offering the cheapest way to get a console, Xbox Live, and Xbox Game Pass. As always, plans can and do change, but if we if what we've heard is accurate, Microsoft is looking to unveil its new Xbox All Access service later this month. If you're wondering why it wasn't announced at Gamescom 2018 in Germany, it's because it's only looking like to be US only. The service was originally teased by The Verge's Tom Warren. We've since confirmed some more of the details with our own sources. Customers will be able to pay around $22 per month and knit themselves an Xbox One S, Xbox Live, and an Xbox Game Pass for two years. Around $35 a month will net them the Xbox One X. If accurate, Xbox All Access will debut for U.S. customers in the in the near future through the Microsoft Store and possibly other retailers. It could be the easiest, cheapest way yet to access the Xbox One family, spreading the cost out over two years while also guaranteeing developers a boost in long-term Xbox Game Pass subscriptions, guaranteeing a larger player base on the service. Wow. Holy fuck. <laughs> Carrick, man, what do you think about this? This is exciting to me. Yeah, well, they did it with the 360 at Best Buy and at least one other place I know of. They, so mm. they've tried it before. It's not really new. It, it's not really undone, you know, never been done. And then the Dreamcast had the $99 deal where I think you signed up for internet as well. It was some crazy thing. Um, I think it's awesome because the fact is, is like if people are watching our channels, I mean, the way we rate is based on money. So they're probably yeah. not swimming in it. So a lot of times I'll hear people say, just buy it. You know, or don't watch reviews, just buy it. And it's like, dude, a lot of people don't have the money. They got to, you know, filter that out. Right. The same thing goes with like a console. Some people don't have the money to get it right away, but they know that they have a particular amount that they can spend each month and it adds people to gaming. So the, I've seen some people try to swing it as a negative, but the thing is you're never going to wake up and suddenly have an Xbox next to you. You will be the one choosing to do this. It's not like they're going to fucking surprise you and you'll be all like, shit. I gotta pay them. Yeah. You'll be able to choose to do it, and if that's your choice, then your one nice thing is Game Pass. I mean, Jesus, like Dude. that's a. Lo- I mean, it it's insane deal. So in in that way, yeah, I I look at it as if I am just getting into gaming, this is absolutely hands down. Say it's real, the best way to do it. You were spending twenty two bucks a month over the course of two years to have the system. Game Pass, which is an access of over 100 plus games, and now they're including their first party games when they launch. Exactly. And on top of that, they're doing third party ones now, like Vermintide 2. And then you get Xbox Live. Ashen. Yeah. Like, what? We'll it. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. I, I didn't even think, I, I can't believe I didn't bring this up in the earlier podcast, but I didn't even think about the first party. I was just thinking about the number of games, but the fact is, is you could quite easily save yourself multiple hundreds of dollars in a very short amount of time. Easily, you know, using Game Pass, and and now you have that, and you can do that if you buy an Xbox, you know, brand new as well. But I, I think it's awesome for consumers if, if if that's the choice you want to make. Yeah, I mean, it's insane, and I I wonder. We have to. I'd imagine that they've looked at, for example, Sea of Thieves, which was a part of Game Pass, but still sold $2 million plus when they had made that similar announcement. So I imagine they're saying, let's just keep bundling this thing as added value that consumers might not make full use of and we'll make our money elsewhere on top of what they're paying us subscription-wise. Yeah. And it lo- I mean, 
a, a person who the thing is is once you have them in the ecosystem itself then there's a higher chance of them getting something just like with Sea of Thieves, because I think Sea of Thieves blew me away when I saw the sales numbers. And I remember Same. the original sales numbers didn't even include Windows Store. They had just included Xbox, and they were insanely high. Yeah. State of Decay State of Decay sold more than all of State of Decay 1 in like the first week or so, and that was on Game Pass. So obviously Microsoft has the numbers that point that Game Pass not only gets more people in the game, but for whatever reason also translates to purchases which is pretty it's not what i thought i knew it was going to happen a little bit but i guess it not at the high numbers i saw. see I, now explain your path of thought because when i look at game pass i don't think i'm going to buy more games because i have this i think i'm spending exactly. ten dollars a month because i don't want to spend a lot on games i want access to a lot for a little no that's what i think i just oh. don't think you and i are the the obviously the consumers oh definitely not yeah, like I agree with you completely. To me, I'm like five bucks or ten bucks, whatever it is, is like aha, I don't have to buy it. That's it's that's not how it's turning out. It's at all. And I think maybe people test it and they're like, okay, I do like this game. I'm, I'm gonna buy it that way. If Game Pass ever removes it, because they do have the ability to remove it if they want. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe maybe it's a subconscious thing, but I would say for me, I would probably not do that unless I was informed it was going away. But a lot of people seem to be doing it, and honestly. I know everybody hates every company for some reason. <laughs> but when it comes to this, I think that just like good old games doesn't have DRM, I think that if they feel they got something, then they return the favor. And Derek Bradley that. from the Ashen devs was on the podcast a couple weeks ago, and he was stating that's why they chose to go to Game Pass as well, is it literally for like a multiplayer game, you're instantly flooded with players. It, like it, way beyond anything sold. Even if you sold platinum, mm -hmm. you're still gonna have more players just due to Game Pass. Which then, some of those will buy it, some won't. But that means everybody will have a better interaction because there'll be more people in your multiplayer game, which is exactly what you want. So, mm. yeah, it's I, I think it's it's definitely an advantage in Microsoft's court. Like it's pretty insane. A Game Pass is insane. I still don't know how they're making money, but I, I wonder the same thing. But. This is something I look at and I say, if this is real, this demands, you know, a Sony response at some point. It, I, I can't. Yes, they're the, the top dog right now. Yes, they have had an insane generation with the PS4. But I feel like, let's say Microsoft, let's, let's go fast forward a couple of years. I know this is a pretty big leap, but let's say Microsoft comes out with some big dogs for their exclusives. You know, people are like, oh, my God, finally. Oh, it looks great. And I got this plan on top of it, which I imagine will include the next Xbox, which you know has that code name yeah. Scarlet, I think. Yeah. I and, and that'll probably be like what forty five bucks a month or something like that. Probably, and, yeah. And, or they'll drop the Xbox X to thirty two or to twenty two, and they'll just replace yeah. It. There, there you go. Something like that. Even then, you look at that, you're like, hmm. I don't want to spend five hundred dollars on Sony's shiny new console right now, even though I like what I see. I'd rather spend. 50 bucks a month for the next couple of years or whatever it is, you know, and I'm sure there'll be multiple consumer plans too for the, the Scarlet. Yeah. Uh, where you could pay maybe 20 bucks a, a month over. We'll say, you know, I don't know how much it'll end up being, but it'll be like three years, something like that. Just so that it's affordable for you and it gets you in the Xbox family and gets you buying games and gets you gaming right away. That's instantly more appealing, whether it's me, you, Joe Schmo, who doesn't really like games that much and just, you know, picks up his Madden, his FIFA, whatever, you know, 
I don't think it matters at that point when the next generation starts. I think that's a huge one up for Microsoft. And I also think that people forget about parents. A lot of parents want to, mm-hmm. you know, if a kid wants a console on Christmas, if you spend 200 bucks on a console, you just spat your Christmas out. Most likely, yes. spat your Christmas out. Like, that's the money. I don't think we spent more than a couple hundred for an entire Christmas, and we had, you know, four people in the family. So it's like, you know, 50 bucks a piece, 100 bucks a piece at most. Something like this, somebody's just like, okay, we'll get an Xbox. Oh, whoops, sorry about my dog. And, um, and, and that's the way to do it. I, I think it makes sense. Oh, I... I... I can't agree more. I, I'm I'm pumped about this. You know, it's very rare because we, we cover news on a, a for me a day to day basis on this. You know, week to week, and it's very rare I I see a piece of news like that and I'm like, let's go. Like this has to happen because I'd be all over it. Personally. It'll probably also have a feedback effect. Not in this gen. Maybe maybe in Scarlet. Maybe next. Mm-hmm. But um, if Microsoft is making good deals with this and that's allowing them to get more people playing then i would assume also the price won't dramatically increase for the next gen of consoles because they'll have the offset so a lot of time almost all consoles release and they cost money to sell they actually cost more to make than they than they're making and that takes a year and then they refresh it and they figure it out but i think that a company like this can look at that and say you know I mean, I don't see them going to 50. I could see them literally replacing and just saying, okay, it's 34 right now a month for the Xbox X, which, yes, after 12, uh, 12 or 24 months does equal way more. But the fact is, is people are accustomed to that, too. And they're not really surprised. The cell phone, I mean, cell phone, all my cell phone deals are way worse than that. So it's like, and cell phones technology dies quite quickly you know what i mean like it dies as in it's yeah. nowhere near as powerful in such a small amount of time so also the rumor is is that microsoft is they've already allowed you to stream your xbox to your pc the rumor is they're looking at us uh, turning that to also work to tablets and other stuff if that happens then you've got people in a a giant family of systems where they feel like hey for 22 to 32 bucks a month you know, I have a free console, or not free, but it's, you know, it's costing that amount. Plus, I have the ability to stream to all these different places. I can see people buying off on it pretty quick. It's accessibility. It's, in a way, cheaper. Um, I guess more immediate. Yeah. Um, I think... There's another bug in my room. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I, I just, I can't see any... I don't want to say any negatives, but I feel I like... I think the only negative is, did we ever do the price? what it calculates out to because i never did Did uh 22 well the rumor is customers will be able to pay 22 dollars per month and net themselves the one s xbox live and game pass so game pass is 10 dollars a month i pay about 24 dollars every three months for xbox live because i use it but not you know where i pay an annual subscription every year and one s is about i want to say yeah 200 something like that Okay, that's actually once you add on all the other stuff, it's even less of a hit, really. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I imagine they got I kept a profit somehow, the but the way I look at it is, let's say, you know, you're, once again, we're, we're, I'm thinking you're a consumer who you know doesn't game a ton. You're a little hesitant to drop at this point. We'll say now about three hundred dollars when you include tax, the system. A game probably you're not going to buy a system. Controller. Yeah, another controller. Yeah, that puts you past 300. 
you probably don't want to drop all that at once. It lessens the blow if you know you're just yeah. doing it over time. You know, if you can say, I got this now, it's not hurting my wallet, and I'm not going to regret this as hard. Yes, I'll be paying this much in total over time, of course, but you can get it now. That's well, what's sort of creepy, Maddie, is 22 bucks a month is only like five or seven less or more than a fucking Xbox Live and Game Pass subscription combined. Yeah. So to a lot of people, when they look at the difference and they get a new system, they're just going to jump on it. They'll be like, mm -hmm. well, wait, what the fuck? If, if, if I wanted it, I would already get those two things. Exactly. And the console's an extra $7, I think, on top of that. They, they must have 15. a bigger plan of some kind if they want people in all. This is a way to get everyone in all those services. Get them in Xbox Live, oh, get them in Game Pass. And developers. I mean, just talking to Derek, you could tell. You could tell. And you talk, look at Undead Labs. They're mm. very clear about it. Look at Rare. They're very clear that, like, Game Pass has turned out to be utterly successful for them. Yeah. Like, ridiculously. I mean, Derek was beside him. Like, they, it sounded like he said that they actually had, like, a celebration when they found out they could go to Game Pass. Mm -hmm. Because there was ju that just meant more people. And that means more people looking at your game, more people who are going to get the next game from that company, more people who are going to see those things, more people who are going to be playing. And then you also have other developers. Mm -hmm. if, if a developer is going to release an exclusive now, they have to then weigh it against Game Pass. They have to then weigh it against if there is this all-access. They have to weigh it against that. And I think a lot of exclusives would look at both and go, mm. Mm hmm Especially if there's a multiplayer component now. I just, yeah. if I was releasing a multiplayer game, that fucker would not be on anything. But, I mean, it would, the thing it would minimal be on would be on Game Xbox. Pass. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a bit of a safety net, too. Because I was reading, or I was listening to the Kind of Funny Games cast. They were talking about, uh, do you remember a game, Velocity 2X? Kind of a yes. 2D and then had like a ship section, too. And it was mm -hmm. apparent, I, I never beat it. I remember playing it and it just wasn't my cup of tea at the time. I'd probably like it now. But um, apparently it was a very good game. It got like a 90 on Metacritic. And there was a thread from the developer on Twitter pretty much saying, we've been working on a sequel for this game for a while. Uh, pretty much the issue is that we released it with PS Plus. We had this large player base. But when we showed people sales, there was an issue on PC. So it didn't sell well there. It was pretty catastrophic. Um, and pretty much if we want to do our sequel, it needs to sell a lot on Switch. So please buy it if you want to see our sequel. We have been, we have it. It's not like it's something we will do like they have it. And so that's my only thing with Game Pass, right? Is yes, they got the player numbers. Uh, maybe it's a little bit different with multiplayer games. I don't know. Like Sea of Thieves could become incredibly lucrative for Microsoft just because it's constantly evolving and it has a player base always there. And someone's going to spend money, right? I sure, I'm assuming that's part of the thought process there but i just wonder if you know yes it's great the player base is there but is this turning into cash for microsoft i mean i imagine if this plan ends up being real it must be because they want to keep encouraging just people to play well one thing to remember is game pass doesn't cost microsoft anything because those aren't sales that they're losing mm. most of the games that they're got on game pass except for the triple a's but all all those games are old old games that would be at GameStop or GameSpot. GameStop, yeah. Yeah. So a lot of those titles, there's there's quite literally no negative there. Additionally, devs do get some money for every person who downloads one of their games. Okay. So the dev isn't starting at a zero-sum game or anything like that. They they do, it's not like, oh, if I made it normally and not Game Pass, I would make money. But with Game Pass, I get zero. They don't. They do get money. So okay. um, 
and 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 I'm sure it's less, obviously, right? Yeah, definitely. But I I think with a company like Microsoft or what have you, to them, it's like make people happy, and then, I mean, you make people happy now, right? With Game Pass and this kind of stuff, then aren't they just going to be doubly happy with exclusives? Yes. Mm-hmm. So that's why Microsoft said we're going to put it on Game Pass to get more people into Game Pass. So to me, it's it. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Like, there's there are some negatives, of course. Like, you want all your money from your game sold. But remember, Steam, PS4, or PSN, Xbox, normal, they all take 30% right off the top for every yeah. game sold. Minimum. If you said, okay, 30% and there's no safety net, or you said even 2%, but you're on Game Pass, I have this feeling that most developers would start looking at Game Pass and mm-hmm. start saying... How can we? How can we like leverage that to get the most people looking at our game and playing our game? It's that definitely is. a. I think Microsoft's crafting a little space for the double A and indies there too, because you look they at are, at, yeah. at the Switch and how phenomenal games do when they come over there a second time, or how felt and how indie phenomenal games even do indies. Well. Oh my gosh, yeah. And you know what? I have never been a huge indie gamer, not because I don't like them. Some of my favorite games are indies. Some like Transistor, one of my favorite games. Love that, and that's an indie. But, you know, ever since I started playing my Switch recently, it has been indie, indie, indie. And they've Oxen all been free. really good. Yes, sir. I played Oxenfree finally. I loved it. I'm playing Dead Cells. I am playing, uh, hopefully, The Messenger on there soon. You know, these... Uh, it's a home to different games, and I think a lot of people really appreciate that. And I think Microsoft, with Game Pass, is crafting out their own space for yeah. Ashen, for example, which looks amazing, but may not catch that mainstream exactly right to, to have a chance at life and people go what is this to see streamers go what is this and and to bring the game to a new level i think there's a lot of opportunity involved in getting invested in the program yeah yeah it's it's phenomenal i i also like the fact that everybody's offering something different too i, I mean do. i know people people probably want one company to just win but it yeah, we've man. obviously seen whether it be crossplay, Microsoft and Nintendo being crossplay. Like I don't even know how to describe how fucking weird of a world we live in when Microsoft and Nintendo <laughs> so are in funny. bed together. Yeah. yeah, I mean because people I don't know if people know the history. It's oh I would say Nintendo and Sony is probably a little bit more contentious due to mm-hmm. how how PS started. But still, that's a I mean that's been a contentious relationship for years. And so the fact that they're doing that is awesome to me i like that i like all this stuff yeah because a lot of people will naturally listen to this part of the episode and go you guys are fanboys you guys love microsoft da, 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 and go check out my master chief review <laughs> well my, my response that'll be your response my response would be like see this program all access this is what happens when you have competition when you have a company sony who does a great job in many ways like their own they succeed, well-deserved, because their their games are great. And I like PS Plus games. I feel like they invest well in those, usually. Um, and that's all I can think of is PS Now, and, and PSN can be garbage at times. But they do good things, and they earn it because they work hard. And then Microsoft has to respond, and they come up with services like these. And then Nintendo looks at that. And then you see them start really pushing yep. to have indie showcases. They're doing yet another one next week. Um, yep. You know, like... It's a circle of life. So that's why we get in here and we discuss this stuff and we like to highlight the goods, not only from just like, hey, look how much money you can save, but also 
Look at this. Look how every company, like Carrick just said, has something to offer. You got the first parties from Sony. You got the huge bags of money saved from Microsoft, in my opinion. And then Nintendo, you got portability. You got a lot of indies at really a cost-effective system as well, when you think about it. So good offers all around. Gaming so in great places, unsurprisingly. Now, let's talk a little bit about Assassin's Creed, Carrick. You and I have some thoughts on this one for sure. And we have a lot of, lot of patron questions on this. So, the headline reads, Assassin's Creed Odyssey story is 100 hours long. In an interview on Ubisoft's official German YouTube channel, the narrative director confirmed the, quote, complete story part, end quote, will take roughly 100 hours to complete. Now, here's the exact quote, which I extracted from SugarBomb.com's user, CJ Treader. Shout out to SugarBomb, by the way. Here's what it says. Quote, but how long does it take to play through this world? Question mark. That really comes down to how a person plays and which style they like. The complete story part is a good 100 hours. End quote. So, Carrick, that is the story. This is actually a news bit that has yet to catch fire. I was trying to look up more sources and no one has really talked about this. So... Let's get into it. Let's uh, let's start asking our questions. Uh, we'll read our questions a little bit. But let's get some hot takes first. Uh, I think feel? that 100 hours... So they could have said 100 hours for the game, but they didn't. They said 100 hours for the story mm-hmm. at least twice. And to me, that does probably indicate that... I, I mean, I'm sure it's probably 100 hours, but I do worry that we're going to get left-right parts of the map where it's like, Mission 1 is on the far left, Mission 2 is on the far right, and they're counting that. Yeah. We won't know. Um, also, this is the first of the Assassin's Creed games with uh, with narrative choices, so I can guarantee you they also recorded, or that estimate involves all the voice recordings as well, how long it takes to fully listen to every sentence in a mm-hmm. in a particular discussion. They didn't just skip that. So I, I think overall it probably is quite big. I, I know that Odyssey, the the engine, they're using the same engine. They're not like, you know, magically changing all of that. I think they've got Assassin's Creed down to a science in a weird way. Yeah. So to me, I don't know if I want to play 100 hours, but I will say if it continues to offer cool stuff through that 100 hours with cutscenes continually, you know, when you do something, you know, unique, when you meet a new character, all that kind of stuff, that's awesome. For people mm-hmm. who want something that long. I think for people who don't, it's sort of crazy. But Yeah. For me, it's... <clears throat> my my instant thing was uh, a viewer had sent it to us on Twitter, you and I. And my response was at first, Persona 5 says hello. Because Persona 5 yeah. was 132 hours of story. And I was like, yeah. as someone who plays a lot of JRPGs, that ain't shit I ain't ever seen before, okay? Yeah, I exactly. have experienced very long stories. But the difference is, for example, Persona 5, amazing writing intriguing cast lovely art design lots of elements pulling you along ubisoft they have been on the upswing and they have gotten better but for a hundred hour story to work it needs fucking amazing writing and really good character design i and a lot of it yeah a lot of it that's the thing it can't come in spurts because that's where you get burnt yeah. out you're like oh parts of this are good you'll i'll literally have we happy few times five because right. we happy few had good spurts and then there was just these middle parts i was like oh my god i do not like yeah. this at all and that was 20 hours so if i gotta multiply that times five i don't know if i can fucking make it through assassin's creed odyssey 
Now, for comparison's sake, I wanted to look up some games as we continue this discussion along and talk about some very big RPGs in the, the past couple of years that I had seen people in a Reddit thread talking about with this new story. Uh, so Fallout 4's main story, just the main story, if you're a straight shooter, like uh, like on your podcast, Reg, he had said he's like a straight shooter, you know, no yeah. side content. Right. It says, according, and I'm, I'm going off Carrick's favorite site, howlongtobeat.com, <laughs> 26 hours to beat Fallout 4's story. That's if you're straight shooting. 77 hours if you're mixing in some side content, okay? Now let's look up The Witcher 3. And I should also throw in there that I just beat Octopath Traveler, secret ending and all, 70 hours, okay? The Witcher 3, main story, once again, according to howlongtobeat.com. 49 hours. And The Witcher 3, unlike Fallout 4, is critically and consumer-based very well received in the main story category. Um, although I, I personally stand on the side of the fence where I'm like, okay, Novigrad section is a little slow, I'll say. Um, now, I don't know how many people out there just straight shoot the story. I'm not going to sit here and assume. I find it hard to just not get involved in the world itself, whether it's Fallout 4, The Witcher... Octopath, we'll just use this as an example, where I want to just straight shoot the story and not get involved in other aspects, like in The Witcher Gwent or like Fallout 4 when a dynamic quest comes my way that I don't want to just chase it down. Uh, you know, I don't know how many people are like that or not, but 100 hours. We still have yet to, and those are three very big games, one of them coming out this year, two of them, some of the biggest RPGs to drop. None of them scrape that story mark of 100 hours. Now, here's the thing. You had mentioned, Carrick, well, we have multiple protagonists. That probably means multiple story routes because they're really emphasizing in this game we got choice and consequence. Do you think when they say complete story part, they're probably saying complete as in both sides based off choices you make, 50 hours each perhaps is why they're saying 100 complete? It could be, but from what I understand, the story missions are the same between the main the man and the woman ah so choices maybe choice i think choices but i also do believe that the difference between those games you mentioned except for octopath and 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 this game is the fact that ubisoft gates you via level so Mm. you can't you can't run through um origins unless you're a master player without leveling up without because there are guys who can one shot you once they're above your level or or do some serious van damage like quite quickly to you. So I think what's there what they're doing is it takes a normal player a hundred hours to get through the multi to get through the main story, but also that would include typical level gating, which is where you do get to that main mission that's level thirty and you're mm-hmm. level twenty four from your last mission. Right. And you have to do some side stuff to get or you have to do some equipment stuff to upgrade your equipment to take this guy on. I'm sure master players, there's always somebody out there who can beat it on level one with a fucking guitar troller, right? They're like, and they're playing the guitar, and they still win the game. Dark Souls, somebody did that. Oh, so, yeah, I forgot yeah, about yeah. that. I'm just like, at some Nuts. point, you just throw up the controller and go, I'm not good enough. So I think that's awesome. <laughs> um, but I would say, overall, the only difference also between those games, except for Witcher, is that, well, in Mass Effect, but I think Ubisoft has such probably a smooth and polished way of doing their cutscenes. Mm-hmm. And I think it's not too hard, other than recording that audio, for them to get those probably get those down pretty rat a tat tat. Like not, there's yeah. not a lot of wasted time, right? They probably are like, 
this is what we need here, this is what we need here, this is what we need here, which unfortunately sometimes leads, I think, to a numbness that I get from some Ubisoft games. Right. Where they feel feel a little samey, cutscene to cutscene. You know, and it's funny you mentioned cutscenes, because I had not considered the cutscene difference. Now, I had a chance back in June to play Assassin's Creed Odyssey, and I wouldn't have picked up on this until you said it, but... A lot of Assassin's Creed cutscenes are known for their, you know, it's almost like a movie. Uh, yeah. Really, with Ubisoft in general, like in, in Far Cry Five, I'd always said it's like you you have a cameraman following you. Really, it's not just you're playing as the player; you're just exactly the moving cameraman. Uh, and Assassin's Creed sometimes goes for the dramatic flair with the way they work the camera angles and stuff. However, in this game, because of the way they're changing the direction of the franchise uh, and, and focusing more on choice and consequence, dialogue options. I noticed two things. Number one, the facial animations got a little bit worse, which I understand it's a sacrifice that has to be made if you want to incorporate more conversations, more people to talk to, more choices, more replayability. On top of that, there really wasn't the cutscenes like I, we had seen in prior AC games where you're, you're sitting back, you put the controller down, and you kind of watch as it Yeah, there's unfolds. choice. Yeah, there's choice. And so that means it's almost like, we'll use the example we've been using earlier, Fallout 4, The Witcher, where, you know, the camera just flips between two people almost. You know, maybe a side angle once here or there. But not an insane level of... Not that this is effortless, so don't don't misunderstand me, but I I imagine you'll get where I'm going, where I say it's it's a little less on emphasis on that part, where, you know, I imagine a lot of resources and time go there, and that treads time in the game. But now you can make small conversations... 20, 20 minutes of pop amongst a ton of people because there's yeah. less of a focus on facial animation, less of a focus on getting the most professional cutscenes done, and more on just packing the world where it does get a little bit longer. And I think that adds yeah. up. Yeah, for sure. I, w- I, would, I would assume that mm-hmm. it does. I have to say, though, I'm intimidated. Uh, as someone who, who hopes to review this game, I am intimidated. I, I'm looking forward to it, though. After I said it uh, at E3... I said it after E3. I said it during my uh, most anticipated games of this fall. I'm really looking forward to AC Odyssey. It was a fun game when I played it. It was an engrossing world. Really, really engaging on a, on a different level from other AC titles. And now, some questions. We have quite a few. X-Toft X stays hot. He has another appearance on the show because he always has the questions. He says... How much truth do you think there is to the campaign being that long? If this is accurate, how much of a grind do you think it will end up being? Actually, I misread that. How much of a grind do you think it can be? Small difference in wording. I mean, I I don't, I think they'll level gate no matter what mm -hmm. uh, because Origins did. So there's going to be some. No, I get that. I I just think what he's trying to ask is... uh, how much PR speak is here? Like, oh, it was a hundred hour story. And people, you know, their heads turn hundred hours. Fuck. You know, that's bang for my buck. I'm buying that this fall. Um, I, I think notoriously with Ubisoft they're they're I like them. I think they've improved a lot. I think they've done a good job but listening to consumers. Generous, but generous yeah, they, estimates. <laughs> they, they like to stretch. They like to stretch. And if you know that about them, you can make a little bit of a safer purchase. But if you don't and you hear that, you, you might be misled. Except, I will say, again, the weird thing is, though, Maddie, is that, that they keep saying story. Like, if they, again, if they said the game, which is what everybody does, everybody yeah. says that, the game co- takes this long. They have drawn a, a pretty clear 
definition between game and story mm-hmm. and the other stuff you can do, which is what makes me think that we'll see we will see filler. Every game's got filler. Every game. Yeah. Um, but I have a feeling because of the cutscene changes you mentioned, which I had forgot, and stuff like that, we will we'll probably just see them double down on story, try to make you know, you'll be able to skip it. There'll be somebody who beats it in twenty hours because they didn't read a fucking thing. We already know that. Yeah. It'll be like, gah, 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 gah. And they'll you know, they'll be like, done <laughs> twenty hours they were lying. Mm-hmm. But but sitting and watching it, <laughs> they were lying. it Oh, you know that that's what's gonna happen. There'll be some fucking video from somebody being like, Ha, they're liars. But I they doubled down, which is what I, I'll just say right. I'm interested in why they did. I won't say I believe them. I'll mm-hmm. just say I'm very interested in nah, why I'm, they doubled down. I'm with you, man. I I'm I'm very curious to see how this one pans out. Paul And Paus, I wasn't a fan of Origins, by the way. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's people, a that's just a good in case part. people think that I like uh, yeah, love should, their games. I can't believe I didn't think highlight that one. Origins took me about 50, 40 hours? Really Origins was, was long. Yeah, like that. Yeah. That's about what you'd expect from an AC game nowadays, though. Yeah. And yeah. so that's one thing. With the, even with Odyssey, it's like doubling the length of that type of stuff. Um, Paul Powell 67 asks, kind of off topic, but how do you feel about all the mythology that will be in the game? I don't. Like I don't, Me I don't too. like the future. I was really, stuff. I was really just. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't like the future stuff at all. The uh, it, Strigo or whatever the fuck they're called. The, mm. the future when they go into modern day. Yeah. Um, I that's why I liked Origins presentation mostly is because they tried to stay out of that. Um, they didn't fully succeed, but yeah, I don't know, man. Like I just don't, I don't know about you, but I don't get caught up. I don't get caught up in most Ubisoft writing too much mm. for some reason i don't know if that's just the way they deliver their narrative or what i think but because I sometimes it sounds it sounds uh i think the best word is just they try to add dramatic flair instead of being authentic if they just try, yeah. yeah if they tried to humanize people and not chase cliches they'd be great you know for the mythology part i'm interested just because I always say this to people, I'm very transparent about my mythology knowledge because it's next to nothing. The only knowledge I have is through Smite because I've played like fucking 400 hours of that goddamn game. So, you know, that's where my interest extends. You know, how how are these gods and, and are going to be looked at and portrayed in a game that tries to be historically accurate um, versus what I know about in Smite, a game yeah. where, where they arcade all these incredible gods and make them into fun, playable heroes. So for me, that's my interest level on it. Um, I know in Assassin's Creed Origins, there was some type of mythological creature boss fight when you get, like, poisoned or something. Yeah, and then there's the DLC. With um, Anubis? Where you fight Anubis, yeah. Yeah, I never did the DLC. Did you play that? No, man. And everybody I've talked to actually really liked some of that Mm. stuff, and I just did not. I actually really wanted to get a chance to go back, but it's... I didn't want to relearn all the fighting and shit. Yeah, see, for me with Origins, it it was just one of those, I'm done. You know, like, I liked what I played. Uh, I think I I said wait for a small sale because it ended up getting very grindy. Uh, But I I was just like, once I beat it, I was like, all right, you know, that was better than most AC games I've played, and and I like that, but it's still not that great, and I I wasn't craving more DLC. I was more interested in the Discovery uh, tourist kind of mode. 
I was more intrigued in that than any other DLC. I didn't get a they chance to do that either, and I was as same. Very, and you and I both much. were like, "Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna fucking do this." Yeah. And I'm just like, mm. "Yeah." If there's 27 hours in a day, I would. Yeah, true, true, true. Uh, last question for the AC segment: Big Boss asks, "What do you think of AC taking another year long break after Odyssey? Because that's one thing we should incorporate is that, yeah, we got a hundred hour game, and we're used to AC being annualized, but now after Odyssey." No more AC next year. It's on to something else for Ubisoft, and then maybe in 2020 we'll see it return. So this is our our AC game for a, a while. Does that does that change your your? I know you were more on the side of like I believe them. We'll see when we play it. Uh, but does that change anything for you? Do you feel like it's a lot more plausible now, knowing oh, they're not doing it next year? So go all in this year. I mean, it could be, but that's sort of like Robin futuristic Peter to pay Paul. I mean, you can't really gather those hours from next year and put them into this year's development time. Mm-hmm. So I don't really, I don't think that really affects much, at okay. least to me, unless they had two games and they're not saying it. So if they, if they were thinking of doing like Odyssey and Odyssey 2 or something like that, it is called Odyssey for a reason also, guys. Ubisoft never makes up a name for no reason. Origins was called Origins for a reason. Rogue was called Rogue. Odyssey, you go and study. took a long time for that fucking story to go to from start to finish so to me it's a perfect name odyssey if it's a hundred hour story excellent name um no i don't really care about next year because not to be rude it it also wouldn't change if there was one next year i'm not i've told i've said this before i don't give a fuck if there's a game tomorrow if today's game is good then i'll play the game tomorrow like i just i don't Uh get caught up in write that one in the history book folks (laughs) yeah i don't get i don't get too pissed about like a game being annual you know annual as long as I like the game and it's fun. I, I, to me, I'm like, it's another fucking cool game. Also, somebody may not even have a console today. Next year they do, and there's another game that's in an annual franchise. They don't want to go to last year. They get to pick up a new game. It's not always about just us. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. I think there's there's something to be said about annualized franchises being good and then still having room where they could really improve. They took a year. For sure. You know, I'm looking Technology at you, Madden, and NHL, please. <laughs> Yeah, but what are they going to change in Madden, Maddie? This has always been my question. Um, football doesn't magically have mortars. Mm-hmm. So it's like, at what point? I, I think, I don't know for Madden, getting off the subject for a second, the only thing yeah. I can think of Madden is that instead of releasing another one, they just sell you a $9 roster update for the, for two years, and then they do another real game in two or three years. Uh, because I, I have a couple ideas. Just, what would change? I mean, it's... number one, one huge issue with fucking EA Sports games is the character models are awful. Aside from, like, the stars in the league, that. it looks nothing True like that. the player, and I hate that. And anyone who likes sports and plays these games, I know feels the same. Yeah. Number two, it doesn't just have to be this authentic sports game. Incorporate new modes. Uh, NHL kind of got on the right track, but you could tell because it's a one-year development cycle. They didn't have a lot of time to really go crazy with it but they you know do an arcade mode do bring back midway sports mm. into a new mode that's a side piece of the okay. main package stuff like that you know i think that it, yeah you can deliver that authentic sports experience and you can have a fun part of the package try to innovate on this you know create your own player create your own league create your own whatever like where how do you go next create your own fantasy fucking league and ha- ha- like create the people in the fantasy league and and Stuff along those lines. I don't know. Yeah, I'm just saying. Like, there are places and things or 
things that could change. And I think that they should explore those avenues because I don't see it being lost money considering how much these games gross every year that they could take a year off. I mean, Ubisoft's walking proof of that. One of their best grossing games was the Assassin's Creed franchise. You know, while, while it was getting stagnant, it was not stopping in sales. And they stopped it and it got better. I don't see why sports games can't do that. I think it's just a stigma attached to it because they're like, all right, sports game, you can't stop that like you could and i don't think uh, like you said i don't think they have any financial reason to Mm. which sucks true um because i definitely agree on like technology personally i feel that they could still do yearly but they have another team making better technology they have another team they've got enough money for it Mm -hmm. like they could they could do both because i don't mind a game every year but i agree with you that there's huge technical issues right um and and to me what I, I like those fantasy things, but in the end, I buy an NFL game or a UFC game to fight or to play football. Right. And they also have issues with a- AI. They, there's there particular go. routes you'll hear stories about where somebody's like, 101 to nothing because I ran the same route, you know, every time. Um, that kind of stuff I would love to see them do. I don't care if it's annual, but I think that they have some definite issues there. Because mm-hmm. if you're the only premier football game and yet you can always run the same route, or, you know, there's some particular... I have one follower on Twitter who's always showing goofy, like, Twitch videos or whatever yeah. of it. And you're like, Jesus, if this has been around for five years, that's really what I care about, not the annualization. I care more about them fixing that shit. Like you said, technology, facial stuff. When everybody looks like the same fucking carbon clone, yeah, that, that becomes an issue. Exactly. For sure. Yeah, for sure. Ridiculous. Well... Anyway, that's Assassin's Creed Odyssey's story length. And now, we can talk about Octopath Traveler, which tapped sales in the month of July. The following so information. Did Switch, didn't it, Maddie? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, I got all that for you, Carrick. Carrick jumped in the gun, but it's all right because he's a smart man. Colin Stevens at IGN writes up the following. The July report noted that the Switch is the only platform showing year-on-year growth in game sales, as its software dollar sales have increased by almost 70% compared to this time last year, even though digital sales on Nintendo's platform aren't included in the MPD reports. The the Switch was also July's best-selling hardware platform, both in dollars earned and total units sold. Octopath Traveler also topped, like I said, the uh, month of July, and here are the top 10 best-selling games for that month. So obviously, number one, Octopath Traveler, two, GTA V, three, Mario Kart Deluxe, four, Crash Bandicoot, five, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, six, Far Cry 5, seven, Super Mario Odyssey, eight, The Crew 2, nine, Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Siege, and ten, Mario Tennis Aces. You will notice one, two, three, four, five Five. Nintendo titles in the top ten. 10 for July. One of them launching that month, but the rest of them have been out for quite some time. Most notably, Deluxe, Zelda, Zelda, and Odyssey. The Aces did come out in June, so that one, not too surprising to be in the top 10. Uh, Square Enix also announced that the uh, OnePlus Million sales earlier in the month and confirmed that people can expect more games like Octopath Traveler in the future. So did you ever get a chance to play Octopath? I saw your video and I, I was just like, it's, I just don't think that's for me mm-hmm. for whatever reason. You don't like those older JRPGs? 
I do, but that one in particular has one thing that I have a big problem with, which is the separate stories for every character. Gotcha. And I, they don't mesh up, and that it, it just mm. I don't know why, but it, it it's not actively not wanting to play it it didn't actively make me want to play it so yeah. i just watched your streams yeah see the thing with octopath traveler that a lot of people don't know and i don't blame them for this is that as someone who beat all the individual stories and then went to the final final end game dungeon and you know beat it all uh it does tie together it all makes sense in the end and it's really good it's that the game hides it in the weirdest way when i looked it up really really strange and i know it's kind of under the well maddie it's old school it's it's gonna do stuff like that and reward the players who dig deep and i get that i understand that but i mean i think a lot of reviewers who like this game a lot they all talked about the combat but the story really like i said it really comes together in that last dungeon and you're like holy fuck like this is good it all makes sense now. At first, you're like, these are eight stories. These are all kind of whatever characters. I don't care. But it literally, Carrick, I, I shit you not, it brought it from, like, this is good. I like this to, like, a really delightful experience that I was like, I'm going to remember this now. Like, this was... But is that just the secret ending? Or I wouldn't say every, it was... The... Everybody would see that ending. I, everyone can see it because you just have to complete two different side quests and then mm. a certain location will unlock. The game will tell you at that point. And then okay, you, you can fast travel there, and it all starts up. I don't want to mm -hmm. specify what happens. Um, cool. But, it, yeah, man. I mean, it really – it was one of the few games that I played, and the more I played it, the more I liked it. If you ask me – and I think I said it on the show at some point. At the 30-hour mark, I was like, yeah, I'm chipping through it. I'm liking it. Not as much as I hope to, but I like it. It's a good game, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure I beat it. And then around the 40-hour mark, I was like, all right, the, the stories are slimming down. It's becoming a more condensed, focused experience. And because of that, it got way better because I was able to focus on a, a smaller group of characters and not try to account for a total of like 40 different story characters across right. each of these eight stories. It just became a lot more focused, and in turn, it got better. Um, Very cool. Learning little secrets like Primrose. She has a little dance that she can do that if you boost four times – uh, it has the chance to give you an XP multiplier. So grinding to level up characters, lost that grind. I got an item called the Captain's Badge, two times XP. Sick. I got an upgrade yeah, that awesome. I applied to my character because I invested in the, I think it's the Warmaster job, and I equipped it, extra XP. So I'm walking around with like 2 or 2.5 bonus XP, so leveling everyone up. Not too fucking hard. You know, it, it was... It got better as it went along, but it, it definitely at first, like the first 30 hours are not that strong. You're, you're learning the world. Each of these, you have to literally to acquire your party. You have to like do the first chapter of every story. It's like it zero investment, zero. Like I, I'm being totally honest when I say I was into the game. I liked it, but holy fuck, I, I couldn't tell you the first chapter really of any except like two stories because it was just gotcha. pick up drop pick up drop pick up drop because in order to do chapter two of a story you were really into remember what we were talking about with level gates with ubisoft same shit here you had to be like level 24 to do chapter two and it's like well fuck i'm level 10 and it's like well the next level 10 mission is chapter one of ophelia's story so i should just go do that because i'll level up in the process right and that's what happened um so like once you get your party and you get rolling, and you start slimming down the stories. Much better game. Cool. What I want to talk about, though, 
uh, and springboard this discussion into is a question Kopi had asked us on our Discord. With Octopath's unexpected surge in sales, do you think we'll see more titles like it in upcoming years? And also, what about the possibility of Octopath appearing on other consoles? So, Carrick, do you think this would be considered unexpected? When we've seen kind of a resurge in JRPGs with Final Fantasy, Persona, uh, I wouldn't consider Zero Escape a JRPG, I apologize. Uh, Dragon Quest is acquiring a lot of hype. Um, it seems like the stigma surrounding like JRPGs are for weebs is gone. And these games are selling legitimately well and attracting a mainstream audience. Do you think Octopath is a game that goes to other systems? Do you think we see more of that? No, I think Octopath also one of its claims to success is it is it is on the Switch. Mm-hmm. And it seems like a grindy game where like you're taking a dump and you're all, <laughs> I'm going to grind that level. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's the best part. I think also graphically the Switch is given a little bit more leeway because it's a handheld title, which is totally fine. That fits the art style. I also have to say, I've rarely seen as much fucking positive PR speak about a game prior to it coming out on the Switch, other than a Mario or a Zelda. People were already in love with a lot of what was going on with Octopath well before it got released. Right, I remember you saying that. Yeah, and I was actually really surprised because I kept going like, what the fuck is this game? Like, why why am I seeing it on... You know, because it is, it does look a little old, Absolutely. It, but I think that's okay. Way, I think though. it fit in a unique way. I did when I watched your stream, I was like, it looks old, but it doesn't I, I wouldn't stop playing that because mm-hmm. of the way it looked, which that will happen sometimes uh, with an ancient. Speaking of that stream, like a viewer was like the water in this game's gorgeous and it's funny because yeah. you're walking around with sixteen bit little pixels. And then the water looks like yeah, Modern. brand new water. Yeah. yeah it's, so it's ridiculous. I, I think it makes sense. I mean, the Switch is a perfect, like a perfect place for it. I don't know if even Xbox fans would go to that, but I do think Switch fans most that is the game they expect from Nintendo and from their partnerships. So maybe Sony as well, but I just don't know how on a PS4. I just don't know if people would sit down to play. Yeah. I got to say, a big thing that got me through those initial hours was the pickup and play factor. I would pick it up for uh, an hour or two, bang out yeah. a couple of stories, and put it down. Um, that's why the first 30 hours took me forever, and then the last 40 flew by. Because right. once I had it all going, I was, I, I docked it. You know, I, I, I will say this, man. I rarely play my Switch docked. Seldom okay. do I do that. You know, and, and that's how good the second half, I think, got for this game, is that I was docked. I was playing many hours straight into the night, it, you know, to the point I was like, come on, guys, let's get together and stream this shit. Like, I'm, I'm grinding away. Join me for it. You know, that type of thing. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a good game, I think. Uh, do you think the, the, uh, the launch month had anything to do with some of the, some of the success? You know, a million Probably. sales in July? Yeah, because I think it did, you know, it didn't also a mobile, you're out and about playing it right. outside if you want, you know, playing it when you travel somewhere. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think this month we also, in the last months, double uh, a triple or double a and indies have done well because there hasn't been a big thing everybody got pushed to 2019 february or this fall and there was this little cool gap and i think octopath also hit it perfectly this is yeah it, 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 they didn't magically make up this date i i'm assuming they have the numbers we all do and they looked at it and were like this seems to be a place where we will get more people you know because like you and I, we're just one person. So if I just said this prior to the podcast, but I only have enough time for a particular review. And anybody else who asks, I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm busy. I can't do that game. 
yeah. many companies are the same way or they only have one or two reviewers and so if you can find a time when they're available they're gonna cover the game because they want people to watch their channel uh -huh. look at their website I, it makes perfect sense. It's a great time. It's just like Vampire did it. Vampire hit in a perfect time. True, Those true. games that where they hit at that exact time absolutely helps them. Just in, and it also helps that it apparently is a phenomenal game. Yeah, I mean, see, I, I'd say yeah. The, I, I I like the word delightful for uh, Octopath. Maybe because it's a little you know the the sprites are, are a little cute and um, right. You know, it's like that kind of. I think is a better word for it, but you know, also because I think the f the first half isn't just that great. Um, but yeah, I I'm happy for that game, and I hope to see more of it personally. So. Because I'm uh, also happy for the Switch, aren't you? Absolutely, dude. I love my. I I've said this before. You know, people have tweeted at me news about the Vita because they know I used to joke on the podcast like I love my Vita, and I do. But the Switch has literally replace that i don't replace feel the it. void yeah like i don't feel the void that people think i do um and, and it's Diablo totally... 3 is coming out dude yeah and that's for the switch dude that's the thing like we, we were talking about games that re-release diablo i'm telling you easy million easy that's yeah, yeah, perfect yeah. perfect game for yeah. the switch I, I i literally said to my friend brian i'm like i don't give a fuck how busy i am in the fall when you and i Carrick, are deep in the fucking review trenches i am buying and playing diablo on switch yeah easily yeah Especially because you can play as fucking Ganondorf. Dorf yeah, I think that I, I think I think you have that, but I also think that it it once again it helps other companies because they'll now next year maybe somebody will be looking at this time frame. That also helps gamers to not have boring summer months. The yeah. more people who have success, this behooves everybody. The more people that have success in your you know July, June, August, not so much, but March, April, May, July, July and June. As long as they have success there then more companies look at it and go we can release it this time because man i don't know if you remember but a couple years ago a fucking game in july meant nothing like it was it was summer supposedly kids weren't home so they and i don't think the supposedly matters as much as people think i think what really happened is just people didn't want to release gaming's growing thought. yeah gaming's growing and, and, and there's just more people you know, with controllers in their hands and balancing their time where they can go out and they can play games that's what I also, do. <laughs> I think you're. I think the fact is, is like you have that. You just said it. You you docked. You docked your switch. You could not dock a fucking DS, right? You can't. You, you there were HDMI outs for the Vita or the PSP. I can't remember which. There was ways mm -hmm. to hook it to a TV, but it wasn't a fucking dock that you just. Gang. And so now people have this system that they can play Oxen free on the go, and then go and plug it in and sit back yeah. and play it. And I think that. I think that over time, it's sort of starting to make the hardcore look at it. Because Diablo 3, that's fucking hardcore. I mean, mm -hmm. and I don't mean hardcore like hard. I mean, it's, that's a, that is much more of an impactful, violent, hardcore game than I expected a, a Nintendo system to ever have on it. Yeah, and they, they even said, there was an interview that came out afterwards, I forgot who it was, but they were like, we were excited to have it on our system. Like, we yeah. wanted it. Like, so they're, they're all about pushing that, so... That's that's great news, man. And I'm I'm yeah, very much so. for the, the Switch this fall, uh, especially with like Mario Party, which I've I've never played a Mario Party game. Maddie, it causes Microsoft and Sony to look back at handhelds too. True that. Get a little Vita two action. Yeah. Last topic of the show, Carrick, you're going to be heading this one up, I think, because I don't know much about this, but World of Warcraft has had a resurgence. So the latest 
the following information, actually, I apologize, comes from Ali Jones at PCGamesN.com. The latest World of Warcraft expansion, Battle for, and I apologize if I mispronounce this character. If you know how to pronounce it, please correct me. Battle for Azeroth? Uh, yeah, Azeroth, Azeroth or Azeroth. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Azeroth. That's pretty close. Yep. Battle for Azeroth is the game's fastest-selling new release ever. In a press release earlier today, Blizzard revealed that 3.4 million units of the new expansion were sold worldwide on its first day alone. Not only is that a sales record for the franchise, it also happens to make Battle for Azeroth one of PC's fastest-selling games of all time. Mind you, this information came out 10 days ago. 10 fucking days ago. World of Warcraft. Man. Holy like I'm shit. Like 2001 or something. Right? Octopath it, top in the month. <laughs> yeah, and this game, I mean, I think it's awesome because it also shows, well, it shows a couple things. One, it shows no MMO has taken over WoW yet. And I don't know True if, that. unless it's WoW 2, it ever will. But, um,. Being the number one fucking fastest seller on PC, or not the number one, but in the top um, of all time, is ridiculous. Yeah. And it, I want the, I want MMOs. I'm totally fine with MMOs as a, a genre. I don't want them to die. I know a lot of people dislike them, but it's like that's a certain contingent, mighty big one apparently, really likes them, and that I, I hope means more people will look at it and go, okay, obviously they're out there. We just need to hit it. But I think also it shows Blizzard, dude. I don't know what it is about Blizzard and their fans. A Blizzard fan will buy a fucking game even if they don't have a PC. Like, it's weird. I mean, and and I don't mean weird necessarily in a teasing you way, but yeah, I'm teasing you a little bit. Dude, I won't say I was a Blizzard fan, but I remember, it's funny you say this, I remember when I was a kid, I just wanted World of Warcraft. My computer could not run it. I just wanted, wow. And you sure fucking bet your ass I bought that shit just to have. I I mean, I don't... And and fuck, dude, my Discord... Like, there's like 700 people in the Discord, and I'm pretty sure 600 were playing that game. Like, I went in and looked, and it was that's why I brought it up as a podcast topic, because it was just like everybody was playing it, and everybody I talked to, and fucking random people on Twitter... When yeah, I, said, like, I, I play didn't know game. play fucking World of Warcraft. I'm like, where? What? Yeah, and and some of them are like, I haven't returned in a couple years, but I'm going to return now. I think that the combination of Blizzard, once again, MMO space isn't necessarily heavily congested anymore. A lot it's of companies, not, yeah. MMO, man, if you don't make it, you die. It's like, other than Cryptic, who has DCU and Star Trek, which I like both of those, um, then you've got Knights of the Old Republic, and then you've got nothing. It's just like, ESO. You know, ESO's doing yeah, well. ESO, I apologize. Yeah, no, and, I, and I liked that, actually, a lot. But it's so, small, like you said, that's five in total, I think. Yeah, five in total, and not to be rude, but even ESO, which is probably that and Star, Star Wars might be the two most popular in terms of, like, paying customers and stuff like that, probably are nowhere near even the full, even the one-month no. sales of Azeroth. Like, it's, it's ridiculous. And again, I do believe, I said this prior, and I don't think I said it to you, Maddie, but I absolutely believe that at some point, Blizzard is going to look at putting it on consoles. And they I don't know it. how they'll do it, but I, because of the task bars and shit, but it feels like the systems are more than powerful enough. They're always online. In oh. the first console to get it, if they can get a manageable HUD, is going to explode. Yeah. I would guarantee Microsoft is probably at Blizzard Studios right now saying... What do we need to change? 
you know, what do we need to do to get this working on a console? Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if Microsoft in turn was creating like an accessibility kit to make that work. Exactly. To, to package in with the game. Mouse and keyboard, if yeah. they're just like, okay, fuck it, we're allowing it for yeah. wow. Yeah, because you look at, here's the thing, Blizzard could take a page from ESO, which, yeah, Blizzard and, and World of Warcraft are way more popular, but the reason that ESO is alive it's not only because it's improved gradually over each expansion, but it had Tamriel Unlimited, which launched at a one-time payment, and it was also yeah. on consoles, finally. That was the biggest thing for a lot of people. It came to consoles, which the console MMO space, much tinier. You have yeah, it's that, just and, I, and yeah, I was about to say, DCU Star- is the only one. Neverwinter, DCU, uh, and Star Trek. Yeah, very. And and is Terra one? Is that a... Terra, yeah, you're right. I think Terra yeah. is out on it. Very, and, uh, very small space. And, and no, yeah. that's all I was saying is that WoW can look at that and go, all right, to stay relevant, they did that. Imagine what happens if us, the MMO juggernaut, it seems, comes into the console space. Even if it's a paid subscription, the, the proof's in the pudding. People will pay since the stuff for them is good. Yeah, and I mean... It, it doesn't in the past it might not have made sense you had um you know a different type of processor you had a power pc processor so they weren't even the same and there was i'm sure incompatibilities of all kinds but now you look at like uh, xbox and ps4 are legitimately pc parts so and and, and with fuck xbox basically runs windows a, a, a special version of windows it's like yeah. it, it only makes sense to me and Blizzard, you know, Diablo on the Switch, it's obvious that they're starting inroads with companies. We, Even though I think the last Blizzard game was StarCraft 64. We looked this up in a podcast a while ago, and I think that's the last Blizzard game on a, on a Nintendo system. Wow. So, yeah. So there, it's been three gens since. They're finally doing it. And it does feel like Blizzard, if, if anybody's going to do it, Blizzard would do it. And, and look at ESO and say, hey, shit, that's doing well. I'm sure DCU is doing really well because they continually release um, they new be. content, and uh, and Star Trek is is doing phenomenally well. I don't know if Neverwinter Nights is as well. Oh yeah, they are because they're releasing an expansion too. So there's room to grow. Also, and, and you know it's funny, Spotor is releasing a new expansion apparently this fall. Like all these MMOs are dropping what, big what expansion. What is uh, Star Wars: The Old Republic? Sorry, is it? Yeah, Knights oh, of the dude. Eternal I'm Throne jump or something. Back in. Okay, cool. Ooh. Yeah. I, I see. It's it's funny. This story comes out at this point because I streamed it on was it Tuesday, Wednesday morning. I streamed just hey, I'm indulging in some Star Wars: The Old Republic because I promised myself I wouldn't do this, but you know what? Fuck it. I want I want to give it a second shot and give it a, a an honest look again. You know, when I played it, I played it for thirty hours. I enjoyed it, but it wasn't what I wanted from Kotor. But I was like, you know what? They're probably not gonna make a new Kotor, so I'll just play this and see if I like it. And I enjoyed it. And the audience fucking loved it. You know, it was... People dig Spotor. And I was like, you know what? I feel like MMOs are a, a much more popular contingent than giving credit for. We're always talking about yeah. the next big open world game, next big RPG. And you got MMOs That's... over there, which are just... People were sort typing of. the chat, man, I should. this makes me want to sign back in. I'm like... Yeah. He's like, I got a, two maxed out characters. I'm like, these viewers just casually have... And, you know, played a ton of this game. You know, I think MMOs are perfect for those. They were perfect at a time, you know, now we're seeing more summer releases where, for me, I'd always hop in during the summer months where nothing came out. And I'd just be like, all right, 
time to time to grind an MMO because there's nothing else to play. It's just something you can hop in and out of for X amount of weeks. I, I think, yeah, I just, I don't know. I always wanted um, uh, Star Wars to be on console as well, and mm-hmm. I always had an issue because of the keyboard, mouse and keyboard, and I'm not a huge fan versus Secret World or versus DCU where you only have five to six major actions and then you combo those. I was never a big fan of a bunch of hot bars. Like one, two, three, five, six, seven, eight, nine, I've ten. seen some like, like PvP cool. matches of Swotor and there's like ten hot bars. Of yeah. Think, so the that's the only, you know, Microsoft has already stated that there is plans for sure to make mouse and keyboard available. I would assume that when that happens, we will see I mean, I, I know they have to be looking at others and see like a Star or Star Trek, which actually played for a while better on the consoles than it did on the PC. Wow. So it's, it, it's yeah, it had a graphical upgrade that came out on the console prior to the PC version. And it, it actually was a, and that's a very fun game anyway, to just sit back and, and shoot mm-hmm. some Klingons. So, yeah, I, I mean, I can't wait. I hope we do see it because especially Microsoft, who's like, hey, the Xbox is like your lower power PC. And your X is, you know, slightly higher, but then you have your PC. If you want to do that, a game store, it's all mending together. It makes yeah. sense that at least of all, they would be looking at this and saying, fuck it. Like, mm-hmm. It's an untapped market. Talk to Blizzard. I just wonder, you know, if sometimes with gaming, just things happen, I feel. Because we have a, yeah. a, a, yeah. an MMO that's been around as long as I can remember. I think 2006. And yeah. it's now in 2018. It's having its most popular release Ever and it's yeah. one of the fastest selling yeah. PC games. It's like that's twelve years after it had launched. I forgot World of Warcraft existed. Not that that because I forget it exists means it doesn't exist, but more so that's that's huge. Three point four million sales. Like that's fucking games wish they could go that high. Let with tons of marketing, let alone an expansion for an MMO that's been around forever. Yeah. Incredible. Also, I think that maybe you and I don't think about it much because. If you look at the YouTube space, unless you're a WoW channel, which some of them are doing really well, but unless you're a WoW channel, you don't hook back into that because there's no news. And there's nothing new, where there's new games everywhere else. And so I think Uh it's easy to be lulled into this feeling that no one's waiting or no one's, you know, going to jump in. And instead, it's like, no, they're just, there isn't really anything new to report. People are fucking playing it. That's why, to me... If somebody announces it at E3 that it's like World of Warcraft's on the console, there's a shit ton of console owners who don't have the money for a PC. Even though WoW's quite easy to run, they maybe they spent their money on their console or maybe Game Pass and this all access. And you've got Microsoft sitting there and it's like, oh, and also WoW is on Game Pass or something like that. Like, the, oh, God, the, it ties in the Game amount Pass of, for an extra like two bucks. Dude, the the amount of people who would fucking jump on that that I know who are in the console space who is like, I've never got to play a MMO, and well, there's your most <laughs> popular one that apparently is apparent from what I've talked. I've talked to people; they really like it. There's some lore things that I guess piss some people off, but overall, I haven't looked every, into it. Yeah, it, it it had to do with like the bad guys not being morally gray, but mm. truly bad now, which bothered some people. They wanted them to be morally gray still. Hmm. interesting it's awesome news it's awesome news absolutely i can't help but agree and and that's why i think the perfect hashtag for this week is uh, if you notice the theme between microsoft the octopath sales world of warcraft resurgence uh, not really with ac but uh hashtag celebrate success you know these are all yes, indeed great news pieces that are great for 
everyone. You know, we we just brought up, I think, really good examples for each story on how gaming can only get better through everything we had discussed, whether it's, yeah. you know, Xbox One All Access, it's Octopath Traveler topping sales, you know, a very obscure JRPG, or World of Warcraft, an incredibly old MMO, having a huge resurgence, I, or maybe not even a resurgence we should call it, but rather just bring, being exploded back to the forefront. You know, these yeah. are all great things for gamers that can, you know, push gaming forward, push the industry into a new area, expand more, and I, I just feel like something big is coming in these next like year or two for for gaming we're really going to see it grow in a way we haven't just yeah based off these little stories it's it's a great feeling so that's all we've got for today carrick any final words no i don't think so except that i sort of want to go get world warcraft i'm not gonna Mm -hmm. because i don't have the time but as we've been talking about i'm like "Mm, yeah i feel you I feel you. That's why I went on Spotor. I was just like, mm-hmm, fuck it, I'll do it. And, you know, I'm probably going to regret it, but because I'm going to lose a lot of free time. Whatever. It's fine. Gaming's fun. (laughs) Anyway, we hope you all enjoyed episode 167 of the Ham Radio Podcast. Once again, if you did, tweet at the handles on screen at Jeremy Penzer at G27Status with the hashtag CelebrateSuccess, and we hope to see you guys next week. Peace out. Peace out.